Hello, and welcome to Wicked Wednesdays, your weekly podcast on sex and sexuality, with an emphasis on BDSM kink and poly relationships. I'm your host, Wicked Fellow, and this week we're going to talk about humiliation, degradation, and sadism in BDSM, you dirty little sluts. Before we get started, I want to send a shout out to our Patreon supporters. If you are in one of our tiers, it's likely that your benefits begin this month. So be sure to head over to the Patreon. I'll have a message for you if I need any information from you. Humiliation play, degradation play, and sadism in BDSM. This is a topic I've been asked about a number of times, and it ties in nicely with the sadism aspect of BDSM. In BDSM, the S and the M can stand for sadism and masochism, and so it's a big part of our play. The key is, these are consensual styles of play. Sadism in and of itself is generally and correctly seen as a negative. Your everyday sadist, your person that takes joy in the pain, discomfiture, humiliation of others, isn't usually a very good person in society. In the BDSM context, the consent, as always, is king. And there has been quite a bit of study on is it possible to be a pro-social sadist, which seems like a contradiction in terms. But of course, in BDSM, a lot of things that would normally be seen as bad are perfectly acceptable and healthy in a consenting format. So, just like impact play, if it's consensual, it's fun and sexy. Impact play, if it's not consensual, is called assault, and that's very bad. Someone that is a sadistic dom, someone that does enjoy sexual gratification and excitement on the degradation, humiliation, or pain of somebody else, in a BDSM context, that can be a healthy outlet for that particular sexual paraphilia, as it's often called. Taking joy or delight in something that's not normally sexual. And that can be fetish, you know, kink, leather, latex. Those aren't in and of themselves sexual, but if they turn you on, that's a paraphilia. Sadism, pain, all those things fall into the paraphilia, and unchecked in a non-consensual format, they're very bad. So it's always one of the exciting things. Media latches onto it, of course. The image of someone standing there with a crop is kind of the poster child for BDSM. And of course, there's this fine line that you straddle between how can you be a good person and a sadist? How can you be a good person and someone who enjoys the humiliation, degradation, or pain of others? And that comes down to consent. It's all about consent. Someone who enjoys the pain, humiliation, and degradation of others in a non-consensual way, I think we can universally agree is bad. That's not the kind of person you want to hang around with. And that goes from everything from internet trolls to the bully at school. All those things can be negative aspects of sadism. Sadism in a BDSM context, where you have matched up with someone who enjoys receiving pain, humiliation, or degradation as a sexual paraphilia, that's fine. You know, they go together, they mesh, those gears mesh, and they work well together. So it can be a very healthy outlet for that. There are a number of really good studies on this and the pro-social aspects of sadism in BDSM. Am I a bad person if I inflict pain on someone who wants pain inflicted on them? Probably not. I don't think so anyway. And that would be the extent of my sadism. I don't drive any pleasure in and of the pain itself. 
And I certainly don't derive pleasure in the non-consensual pain of others. I'm actually very empathetic and it can be hard for me to see someone in pain, suffering, being humiliated, etc., against their will or from an unfortunate consequence of their life. That's deeply troubling to me and hard for me to experience. In a BDSM aspect, where I know the person that I'm working with enjoys and is turned on and aroused by that stimulation, I have no problem with it. I'm facilitating their fulfillment, whether that's with a belt, a crop, my bare hand, or words. And that's where this comes into the humiliation and degradation play. Humiliation and degradation play in BDSM is not always verbal. There are certainly other ways to play degradation and humiliation. It can be that you're made to wear clothing that you find demeaning or somehow humiliating. You see this a lot in male submissives who are made to dress in a very effeminate way that may be counter to what they would normally do, and they may find that humiliating. Your big burly guy made to wear a little pink dress. That may be a form of humiliation play. But it can take so many aspects, and the verbal humiliation and degradation is a big part of that. One of my listeners recently wrote to me, and they were concerned because they had seen some humiliation and degradation videos on YouTube, and that made them feel really anxious and upset that that was a part of the play. And just like anything that we do, this is not going to be everybody's kink. It may not turn you on at all. In fact, you may find it anathema to you. You would never want to be in that situation. And that is totally fine. Just like somebody else may never want to do impact play. Somebody else may never want to do tying. Your individual kinks don't have to encompass the entire spectrum of BDSM. Mine certainly don't. The type of degradation and humiliation play, like she saw in that video, is very common. It's something that I've done a lot of with partners that get off on that. It's something that you see quite a bit. It's a very easy touchstone for this is BDSM. So when you see BDSM depicted in movies, for example, you'll frequently see a lot of humiliation and degradation play just to show the audience that this is kinky. This is what we're doing. Especially in a context where you can't show nudity or any sort of, you know, penetrative sex, for example. You can have someone standing there with a crop and calling somebody names, and we all know what that scene means. So it makes a convenient shorthand for, this is BDSM. If humiliation and degradation is something that turns you on, if that is a kink of yours, like anything else, it's very contextual. You may get aroused when your partner calls you names or degrades you verbally, but that would not turn you on in a non-sexual context. Or for example, at work, if your boss started calling you those names, that would not necessarily be a turn on for you. So that consensual aspect that I subject myself to you and if you want to call me names, I'm fine with that. And that makes me feel subservient and that makes me feel this rush of excitement and energy. For people that it is a turn on for, obviously I can't explain every aspect of it. But like a lot of the play that we do, there is a thrill involved. There is this breaking of a taboo, a breaking of a social norm, doing something outside of the normal run. And if you've ever been in a conflict with someone and they called you names, in addition to it being very unpleasant, there's also some excitement involved in that. Much like a roller coaster or a scary movie, that, that little hit of adrenaline when someone says something mean to you 
that can take on sexual overtones and excitement arousal overtones in the right context, of course. So if degradation and humiliation play is part of what you do, don't worry too much about trying to take it apart with tweezers and figure out why it turns you on. There can be a lot of reasons it turns you on, and you don't necessarily have to understand them. I think it can be sometimes futile to try and figure out exactly why you have the kinks that you have or fetishize the things that you do. A lot of that stems from pop psychology, which I don't think is necessarily very useful. And in the end, it doesn't matter because if it's what turns you on, that's what turns you on. Accept it, embrace it, make it part of your sexuality, have fun with it. But don't struggle too hard about trying to figure out Oh, why does it turn me on when my partner calls me a little slut? Why does that work for me? I don't know. And I don't think it's that important. In a continuation of that question I was asked, they expressed that, well, it would be okay with them if they knew their partner didn't really mean it. And for them, maybe. They haven't experienced this type of BDSM play, so there's a lot of supposition there. I can tell you that when I do degradation and humiliation play with my subs... Much like any kind of play that we do, if they feel like it's not real, if they feel like I'm just making stuff up and teasing and there's no weight behind what I'm saying, it doesn't work for them. So like I expressed with Katya earlier, for Katya, when she's with a dominant, she needs to feel like she is not more powerful than they are physically, emotionally, whatever. If she feels like she could easily escape the situation and overpower her dom, that's a big turnoff for her. So she really doesn't want to pretend that she's powerless. She really wants to be powerless in the situation. And for people that I've done humiliation and degradation play with, it's very much the same. If they feel like I wasn't being serious, if they felt like I wasn't putting real weight behind what I was saying, it would not have that erotic effect for them. Other people that I've played with, they do want it to be more light, more teasing, more in play. So that's something that you would have to work out with your dominant or with your submissive, is how hard do you want me to go? If you feel like the words that I'm using are real and have weight behind them and hit home, and that's what you need to be turned on, we can play that way. If you want it to be more light and teasing, we can do that too. And there's a delicate balance there. Some people are okay being called a slut or a bitch or a little brat. You know, words that are powerful but not necessarily hurtful. Going all the way to the other end of the spectrum where you're really getting personal and really attacking them at a humiliating level because that's what they need. They need to feel that genuine threat in order to get the satisfaction and stimulation from humiliation play. So that would be part of the negotiation. If there are trigger words that you really don't like to be called that pass that boundary of being erotic and start just becoming hurtful and making you feel bad, that's something you'd want to communicate to your partner. On the flip side, if you really need it to have weight and you really need it to be cruel in order for you to get that satisfaction, Sometimes you have to give your partner permission to use that kind of force with you. Just like impact force, you can say, you know, I like being spanked. I don't like being spanked at this level or on this part of my body. You would communicate, I like degradation play, but these are things I want you to avoid. I don't want you to talk about my appearance. 
You can talk about my actions or my personality. That doesn't bother me, but I'm very sensitive about my appearance, so don't use that against me. That's just part of that negotiation and that consent. If you're the kind of person that really wants to feel that thrill of being humiliated and degraded, and you just want your partner to go for it, you communicate that as well. On the power side, on the top side, just like anything that I do, I always start light when I'm doing humiliation and degradation play. I will take easy, more teasing forms first and see what the reaction is with my partner. If it's clear that they enjoy that and that is erotic to them, I will push their limits a little bit, but I won't come out of the gate swinging hard and you know using the most degrading and humiliating language that I have until I know that that's what they want. And just like impact play or anything else that we do, it's always easier to ramp up than to try and back down once you've gone too far. If you use that kind of language with a sub and it really hurts them and takes them out of the scene, it's hard to come back for that. So context is very important. Consent is extremely important. That negotiation of boundaries is very important. But humiliation and degradation play is really no different than any other form of play that we do. You would not want your boss to walk up and smack you. That would be a huge violation of your personal space and your rights and your autonomy. That would not work for you. But in a bedroom situation where you've given consent for it, it's fine. Humiliation, degradation, the exact same thing. And I want to tie that back into the sadism aspect of BDSM. Because as I was saying with humiliation and degradation play, for some people, they really need it to be real. They need the person administering that humiliation and degradation to mean it and have weight behind their words. Otherwise, it doesn't have that impact that they need. Sadism and BDSM can be very much the same way. There are certainly masochistic submissives that need to know that their partner is enjoying what they're doing and getting off on that infliction of pain, humiliation, degradation. That's going to depend sub to sub, person to person, relationship to relationship. But for some submissives, they require a very sadistic dominant for it to work for them. That's just part of what they need. And obviously, they're going to be well paired with someone who has strong sadistic tendencies in BDSM. And that's perfectly fine. That's a healthy relationship with someone that wants to receive this stimulation and someone who wants to give that stimulation. Nothing wrong with that. Occasionally in BDSM, you'll have a situation where you have a very sadistic dominant that's paired with a submissive that doesn't necessarily need that much sadism in their BDSM. And that can be a problematic relationship. I think it's very important to, in those initial negotiations of your BDSM relationship, to try and feel out what kind of person you are about to start a relationship with. One of the things that we haven't really talked about yet is that, just like in the vanilla dating world, you have bad actors in the BDSM world. You have people that are very selfish in their motivations and aren't interested in the needs of their partner and are just in it for themselves, that don't have any empathy or understanding of the needs of their partner. And those people can be very sadistic in a negative way. And of course, I've heard a lot of stories of submissives who were in a relationship with someone and 
it really was one-sided and they didn't get anything out of it. It was always for the needs of their dominant and their dominant never fulfilled their needs. Lacking in empathy, lacking in the understanding of the needs of your partner is a trait of a sadistic person. You know, obviously taken to the point of enjoying the suffering of that person. In a consensual manner, that's fine. In a non-consensual manner, that makes you a pretty bad person. As I've always said in this, whether you're a dominant or a submissive, in the end, you are responsible for your own safety. And if you find yourself in a relationship that is not fulfilling to you, or that is making you feel bad, and one that you're not having fun, where you do feel like you're being used or abused in a way you don't want to be, it is your responsibility to leave that relationship. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily a bad person, doesn't mean that they're necessarily a bad person. It can just be a mismatch of BDSM styles. But it can also be that the person you're in a relationship with is a bad actor and they shouldn't be with anybody, let alone you. I don't feel like that type of thing is any more prevalent in the BDSM world than it is in the vanilla world. The problem is, is that it's all too prevalent in relationships in general, in humanity as a whole. There are a lot of people that are very selfish, that are unable to understand or care for others. So that happens vanilla, that happens BDSM. Unfortunately, a lot of times people who do have that tendency find a place in the BDSM scene because at some level that behavior is acceptable, but they'd never quite understand that it's not all about them. And while sadistic behavior can be acceptable in the BDSM scene, it's only acceptable if the person you're working with consents to it and is aroused and fulfilled by what you're doing. So I want to make clear to the submissives out there, if you're in a relationship and your dom is doing things that you don't like, don't excuse that behavior by feeling like, well, this is just how BDSM works, or this is just how I figured BDSM would be. If you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. Now that fun can be very interesting. That fun can look very not fun to people outside of your kink or outside of the scene in general. But you know whether you're having fun or not. You know if you're enjoying what you're doing. And if you're not, stop. Get out of that situation. Get out of that relationship if necessary. Don't just assume that, well, I'm not enjoying this, but this is just how BDSM is supposed to be. BDSM is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be fulfilling. So if you're not feeling those things, if you're not being fulfilled, if you're not having fun, if your relationship is making you feel bad, that is all the sign you need. For whatever reason, it's not the right relationship for you. So I know this is kind of a tricky thing. We're taking something that would normally be bad and we're saying, no, in this situation, it's really good. And it certainly can be. If you have sadistic tendencies and you do get sexual gratification and enjoyment from the humiliation, degradation, and pain of others, and you find somebody that also gets off on that, that's fine. However, if you are a sadistic person, it's very important to match yourself with someone who invites that type of behavior, who consents to that type of behavior. Otherwise, it can quickly take on the form of abuse. And that's why it's very important to have those conversations to make sure that you're not just acting in a way that benefits you, but is also fulfilling to your partner in a BDSM sense. That's where that difference between being a bad sadist and being a pro-social and good sadist come in. 
There are a lot of different ways to experience this particular kink. When I first got into the scene, it was very difficult for me to inflict that kind of pain or humiliation or degradation on somebody because it went against my natural inclinations. But as I grew in the scene more and I understood more that in this context, it's fine. In this context, it's welcome by my partner who wants to experience these things in a consensual way. In that case, it went from being something that I did not want to do that would make me feel bad about myself to understanding that by doing these things, I'm fulfilling the need of my partner. So that's my personal experience with it. I don't have a lot of sexual gratification or excitement in causing pain to others in and of itself. If it's fulfilling to them and I see that it's something that they need, it gives them a very cathartic reaction to that stimulus, I do enjoy it. For someone that does have naturally sadistic tendencies, the BDSM scene can be a good outlet for those with a consenting partner. They can use those what would normally be negative social traits and they can put them to a very positive use. However, it's important that they have a balance with their partner and they're working with someone that does invite that kind of treatment and does consent to that kind of pain, degradation, or humiliation. Otherwise, it can become abusive very quickly. And that's why it's important to have those consent conversations, to respect those boundaries, and to understand that in this context, it's fine to indulge in those sadistic tendencies. So why does degradation and humiliation turn people on? I don't really know. There's a lot of reasons, I'm sure. I believe a big part of it is the same thrill aspect that drives a lot of BDSM and kink activities. It goes 180 degrees against what we would normally do, and there is a thrilling aspect to that, and that in and of itself can be fun. A lot of kinks and BDSM activities work on that taboo factor that we're not supposed to be doing this, or you're not supposed to be doing this to me, or I'm not supposed to enjoy this experience. It all kind of falls into that I'm doing something naughty thrill factor. For someone that is the boss at work and respected by all the people that are around all the time, to have someone treat them in a humiliating fashion and degradate them and be cruel to them verbally, that can be very exciting. That can be a turn on for them because it's so different than what they experience day to day. So that wraps up our episode on degradation and humiliation kinks and also begins to touch on sadism and BDSM. I will revisit that as we talk about other forms of domination that also may include elements of sadism. As always, keep those questions coming. It really helps me to create these podcasts to know what is interesting to you. Questions that you have about the scene. That helps me out a lot. Because as you know, I can go on for a very long time on almost any subject related to this. BDSM and kink, human relationships, human psychology is always something that I found very fascinating. And it's an area of study of mine. But I want to make sure that I'm producing a podcast that is interesting to you guys. So keep those questions coming, suggestions for new episodes, and ways that I can make these episodes better for you. That's why I'm doing this. Thanks again to my Patreon supporters. If you would like to become a Patreon supporter, head over to our website, www.wickedfellow.com, where you'll find all of our links, show notes, links to our YouTube page, our podcast page, all that stuff. For a bit, I was doing a transcript of each episode, and posting that underneath the show notes 
It's very inefficient. It takes an enormous amount of time to take the transcript and format it in a way that is readable. However, if you would like a transcript, go to YouTube and click the closed captioning icon because YouTube automatically produces transcripts of these podcasts and you can read along as I'm speaking. I think that actually works better than trying to read a seven page long unformatted text file of what I'm trying to say. I'm not going to continue to post a written transcript under the podcast pages. I don't think it's very efficient and I haven't seen any hits on those pages yet. And it can take several hours to format a transcript properly. So yeah, if you would like to see a transcript of it, go to YouTube and use the auto transcript function. They may even have it in your native language, which would be amazing. As for studio notes, I'm still moving. I don't know exactly when I'm going to be packing a truck and getting out of here. I had hoped it to be the end of November, but here we are in the beginning of December. By the end of the year, I do have to be out of this place. So in the next couple of weeks, I hope to be loading up and moving. During the move, I may have to skip an episode of the podcast. We'll see. Perhaps I'll be able to do one ahead of time as a placeholder. But don't worry, once I get set up in the new studio, these will start coming out every Wednesday. It's important to me to produce the best possible content I can, and I don't want to give you guys filler just for filler. So I'd rather take a week off than put out a bad episode. Once I'm set up in Detroit, you can look for a lot more content coming out, both from the studio side and the podcast side. I'm hoping to produce more podcasts, especially co-hosting podcasts with Katja, which I think you guys might enjoy quite a bit. And I'm also going to be reaching out to other creators and educators in the community to team up and do joint podcasts where I bring in outside expertise and outside experiences so that you can hear directly from someone that's into rope play or someone that's into degradation play or sadism so that you can hear other voices in the BDSM scene in a dialogue about what we do and why we do it. I think that would be very useful to the community and also help give you guys a better podcast. As always, consent is king. Take very good care of each other. And I'll see you next week. <laughs>